Welcome to the Maybe Yes Sir podcast. Today we have rising star in professional golf, Corn Ferry Tour member Joe Highsmith. Joe is the youngest winner of the Washington State Amateur, two-time All-American at Pepperdine, member of the national championship team, won three collegiate events while at Pepperdine, played the PGA Tour Canada this summer, finishing inside the top 10 on the money list, and just finished securing status on the Corn Ferry Tour for 2023. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks a lot for having me on. No problem. How are things? Uh, things are good. Yeah, I'm back home in Washington now. Um, getting ready to head down to La Quinta next week. Um, gonna kind of be doing my my prep for the the next season down there, and the weather's great. So, right um, yeah, looking to get out of the Northwest. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of the Northwest, before we get to golf, you grew up in Seattle. I got to mm-hmm. ask the important the important question first. Are you a Seahawks fan? I, I mean, I'm just not a huge football guy. I, okay. Obviously, all my friends are, and like yeah. they go to the games and stuff. But I've never been huge into football. I know a couple of the players. I play a lot of golf with Jermaine Curse, which is pretty right. fun and cool. I know, like, I mean, he was kind of a legend there, and yeah, um, he's, a Lake, he's a he's a Lakewood guy too, right? Yeah, he is exactly. He went to yeah. high school like really close to where I went, and um, it's been super cool getting to know him, but. Um, yeah, not not a huge football guy, but all right, yeah, <laughs> fun, fun nonetheless with the run that they're on right now with Gino. It's got to be, yeah, fun. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, other sports growing up, you know, your golf swing looks really natural. Um, were there any other sports growing up that you played? I played kind of everything when I was pretty young. I mean, I played baseball and soccer and a little bit of basketball. Um, how's your jump shot? Oh, I still got it. We uh, we were shooting hoops last week with my caddy. I've, I haven't literally shot a basketball in years, but yeah, I still got it. So, <laughs> are you a lefty on the court too? No, I'm actually right-handed um, with everything. So, golf, like, just the only thing I do left-handed is golf swing and a, a baseball swing. But um, everything else, from like tennis, racket sports, and riding, throwing, anything is all right-handed. But. Um, Awesome. Yeah, so those were kind of the sports I played, and then golf kind of started to take over probably when I was like eight or nine. It was kind yep. of like, all right, I'm going to spend most of my time doing this, and I just loved it from a young age, but I still loved you... all those other sports. But How did you get started in golf? Yeah, so we grew up on a golf course, um, Tacoma Country Club up here, and we, we still live close, um, but we grew up like right off the 10th tee box, and okay. I think, my I mean, both my parents were into the game, and they like met at a golf course like honeymoon to pebble beach and stuff and right. golf's kind of always been a big thing in the family and um i think just one day i mean we were my parents obviously we bought that house because they were hoping that we would obviously be big golfers but up until that point it was like until 2008 i think we moved just like a mile away like across the lake next to our grandparents and that was like right when we started to play a lot was when we actually moved off the the golf course which was funny and right um, it was like it took us moving we found out we were moving then we were like oh let's let's try out this golf thing a little more seriously and then sure enough my brother and I both kind of fell in love with it so um that was kind of how it all got started well, you, you excelled quickly. You played in four U.S. juniors, which is you know an amazing feat in itself. And then coming out of high school, you were the number five ranked player in the country. So obviously, you know, blue chip prospect. How did you choose Pepperdine and what was the recruiting process like? Yeah, my, um, my recruiting 
process was unique because I actually committed to Southern Methodist University when I was like 15. Yeah. Um, so like that was the time when I was, I think that was freshman year of high school probably, or maybe sophomore year that um, oh. I was looking at schools. And I think at that point it was between like Pepperdine, Texas Tech. Like I looked a little at the Washington State schools and um I wanted to go to like some more big like Alabama or Texas, but I wasn't quite good enough at that time. And um, at the time, SMU seemed just like a great, great option. I really loved those two coaches. And I mean, they're still, I love those two guys. Um, but it just ended up not working out. My brother actually went to school there. And okay, um, the main thing for me, why I changed my decision was like, just the, I didn't really think through the weather situation. And um I kind of wanted to be somewhere where I could comfortably play year round. And like, that was honestly a pretty big thing with Pepperdine. And then obviously us having a good team mm-hmm. and really good coach, Michael Beard. I mean, he's probably helped me with my golf more than anyone else has. So like I, in hindsight, it ended up being a really good, good decision to go there. And um, yeah, I'm so sure. I think anyway, so I decommitted eventually like my sophomore junior year. And then at that point, I kind of knew I was going to go to Pepperdine. Nice. I'm sure the home courses that Pepperdine has access to played a part in that as well. Yeah, definitely. We have really good facilities. It's kind of gotten better each year as as the team's gotten better. So like when we first got there, we kind of had basically just two courses like that we could go to fairly regularly, like Satakoy and North Ranch. And yeah. then I think my end of my freshman fall maybe we got a membership at Sherwood which was a huge bonus because that place is sweet and yeah some I mean relatively close and then by the time this last year I mean we were playing all over all the time like Riviera LACC Hillcrest Bel Air like kind of playing the whole LA swing pretty regularly which was was cool to see kind of like how far Pepperdine's facilities came just in the matter of three four years but yeah I'd like to talk about LACC a little bit. You know, they're going to be hosting the U.S. Open here coming up year. I'm sure you've got that event circled on your calendar. You won a qualifier 2021 and played at uh, at Torrey Pines. So I'm sure you're I'm sure you're pumped for L.A. Country Club hosting the U.S. Open this summer. Yeah, I can't wait. It's cool because the uh, the sectional qualifier is also at my home course in Washington. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, there's a lot going on there. I mean, I, LACC was always one of my favorites that we got to play down there. And um, I think I have the unofficial course record. No way. There. It was like really? we would always play the uh, like the team when we would go out there, we would play like the back edge of every single tee box. So it's yeah. like, I mean, it's already plenty long. And then that just made it even longer. And I think Joey Versich and I both shot... 63 or maybe I shot 62 I can't really remember but um and then I saw something recently I think Stu Haggis said when I shot like 61 but (laughs) Joey and I were saying that there's no way he was playing RTs so (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) but anyway I love that place and yeah I mean that's gonna be a huge huge goal to to get through there and I mean I just love I really love LA so I I really hope that I can work my way into that one for sure yeah, it looks like they're going to be a great host for the U.S. Open. I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well, just as a yeah, fan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so going back to Pepperdine, you guys won the NCAA's in 2021 at Greyhawk. You know, mm-hmm. you guys had a great team, as you alluded to. You went 3-0 and in the in the matches. 
which really helped your team win the title. Maybe talk about that experience and, you know, the amount of pressure being on a team environment in golf creates. Yeah, that week was was really special. I mean, we had a really good team, but we hadn't really played as well as, like, we know we could have played that spring. We'd always have, like, maybe two guys play well and one guy plays okay and the other two don't play great, but we were always still, like, a top 10, top 15 team. And um, I think we ended the year... I think before Nationals, we were ranked maybe like 8th or 12th or something and definitely we're not the best team I mean I think that Oklahoma had a really good team that year I think ASU's team technically was better um, or had had a better year and but that week was was cool because we kind of it was a little bit of a roller coaster week but anyway by the by the time match play came around we were all just like firing on all cylinders and we literally had five guys playing really really well so um that was super cool and then obviously yeah the pressure was was crazy high that's still the most pressure i've ever felt i mean the i played in the u.s open two weeks later and like the pressure wasn't even close i was way more nervous at at nationals that final day um than i've ever probably been since so that was a really good experience to kind of play through that and obviously come out on top was great and be able to play well but it was it was yeah it was an unbelievable week for sure <laughs> what were the inner squad games like at Pepperdine what were the cash games like on the side while you guys were, were playing throughout the year those must have been fun too <laughs> <laughs> yeah well technically you know we're not supposed to be playing for money with the NCAA no. rules but no we yeah. had we had some really good games um with the guys there were always a few guys that like to, to play for a little more than others but sure. um yeah. yeah I was always I was I like doing the big bets out there and getting the the nerves going so <laughs> yeah um yeah. no we had a lot of really good games it was it was so much fun i mean we had just a ridiculous team of of good players i mean i bet you four or five years from now there'll probably be i i would have to say maybe four guys on the pga tour which is crazy from a from a college golf team but um well yeah, and it seems had, like yeah, it, it seems like all the Pepperdine guys are really likable too. I mean, obviously yourself, uh, Sahith, uh, you know, Manante. I know he transferred out to, to UNC, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. if he's persona non grata around Pepperdine now. But you know, he seems like <laughs> uh, like a really likable guy. And uh, and Hitchner, obviously, this this uh, summer at the US Amateur as well. So yeah, I don't no, know exactly. what. Yeah, no, Derek's know. one of my best friends still, and we roomed together all four years at Pepperdine. So I was make his USAM run and, and play some good golf. And yeah, saw a great guy. I mean, really the, the whole team, it was really a, a nice group of guys and really good players. So it was, it was fun. You know, I first saw you play on golf channel at the Western collegiate invitational. You won that event in mm-hmm. 2021 at Passia tempo. But I mean, I've had a few guys I know play the course. They love the course. My question to you is, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get the Alistair McKenzie Society after me here, but <laughs> what should they do with that 18th green? Should they blow that up? Yeah, well, what's interesting is, I mean, I think, I think most people know this, but maybe not everyone. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you think about it, like the courses that he built were, I mean, whether it's Cypress or worked on Augusta, it's like those green complexes were designed for greens that never were rolling faster than like a maybe seven or eight on the stamp and that's right the early 1900s so like that green would have been a little funky rolling at a seven but now that they're rolling 12 13 it's like 
it's pretty ridiculous out there. And we always joke about how like just pasta greens in general or like if you have some crazy putt it's like oh this is a pasta putt like that week is just absurd it's I mean I think it's it's probably gotten a little ridiculous just with how fast they are now but um I I heard actually that they are doing some kind of green renovation because I think over the last hundred years I mean I'm pretty sure that some slopes have kind of changed from their yeah. like initial form and what it was supposed to be like so i think that green is definitely one of them i mean that thing is ridiculous it is <laughs> yes. and it's you know candidly it's one of my favorite tournaments in golf to watch all year i just love the shots that it uh, that it creates for players and but it just seems yeah, like once you guys get to the to the 18th tee things just stall you know and if guys, <laughs> yeah. guys are finishing in the dark there's like two position two pin positions on the entire green so yeah I, exactly yeah um we t- touched a little on your 2021 U.S. Open experience at Torrey. Um, growing up in the Pacific North, Northwest, does Chambers Bay deserve another U.S. Open? Oh, man. I mean, I, I love Chambers. Um, that's seriously one of my favorite courses in the world. And it's so cool that it's, I mean, right next to my house. So, um, I don't know. Deserve it? <sighs> that's tough. I mean, they have done a lot of work with the greens actually are better. Um, right, and the, the, like they're good. I'm, I'm not gonna say that they're still not good, but like I don't think they're U.S. Open quality or just like PGA Tour level quality greens. I mean, they are better than they were, but okay. Um, I think they that look good during. During, they look good during the women's USM this year. I mean, yeah, I mean that's just from me watching on TV, right? I don't have any any experience there, obviously. For sure, yeah. No, there's no doubt. I mean, they had the four ball there. I think a couple years ago, and like guys mm-hmm. were definitely surprised at how how good the greens were and kind of just how pure it was generally and i think i would love to see them get another us open there i'm pretty sure that it'll never happen just from i've talked to a few guys at the usga and i mean i can't see it happening but um i definitely hope so and i know that the guys at chambers hope so too i mean they've done a lot of work in hopes of obviously getting another tournament out there so um yeah, I want it to happen, but I don't really think it will, unfortunately. Okay. So I understand you and Fred Couples are close. Can you talk about how that relationship started? Yeah. Um, so I, the first time that we ever met was at the I was on like the junior president's cup team in high school and that was in 2017 and I think he was one of the assistant captains that year so we our tournament was at Plainfield and they were at Liberty National and so like they did some kind of cool thing where we got to go out on like and maybe like the Monday Tuesday practice rounds or something and kind of meet the team and hang with the guys and walk around in the practice rounds which was super cool I mean that was one of the coolest things I've ever done um and then, so that was where I met Fred. And like, at that time, I played a lot of golf with guys that he knew in La Quinta. And um, obviously we're both from the Northwest and yeah. know a few of the same people up here. And so I told him, I was like, we gotta get around him. Cause I know his agent, I knew his agent pretty well from the Palms and obviously like whatever people talk and it's like, oh, this is Fred Couples agent anyway. Right. Um, so yeah, then we ended up playing some golf and then I mean I think we enjoy playing with each other so over the last whatever 
few years. I mean, we've played a bunch of golf down there whenever we're we're both in the same area. And now it's been cool to kind of he's always like I swear after every single round he like sends me some text about how it went. So it's super cool oh, to see awesome. um that he's kind of keeping up and following and obviously we still hang out and play a bunch of golf when we're when we're in the same area, but yeah, so that's been a really cool relationship and I mean, he's been he's been great to me just over the years and it, yeah, it's been been really fun. provide a little context for the listeners as well i we're going to talk about pga tour canada now i followed joe around the final round at the manitoba open at southwood this summer you know came away really impressed with his game had my eight-year-old daughter with me so after you birdied the 10th hole after stuffing one in about five feet you went over and grabbed the ball from your bag and gave it to my daughter which was really cool so not sure if you remember that at all but uh, just oh yeah i do (laughs) okay yeah no i just wanted to thank you for that you know like i said absolutely yeah, that was cool. So, um, game looked great. Um, just wanted to ask you a little bit about your your PGA Tour Canada experience. You know, you're a, you're a young man. You just graduate college, and all of a sudden, you're thrust into traveling across across a new country. So, how did you navigate that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, fortunately, like travel through Canada wasn't. I mean, it wasn't ideal. Obviously, having to do border crossing every week and that's always just kind of a mess and yeah um it was definitely a new experience i mean i never left the country i I went to victoria once when i was like 12 but i didn't really count that much as leaving the country i mean it's so close to seattle but um now this summer i was traveling i mean the first week we were in the first week i played was edmonton and then they went to like saskatchewan like literally the middle of nowhere up up there um and that event got rained out, right? Yeah, so that event it. got rained out. And, like, fortunately, they gave us a little money back. But everyone still, I mean, it's it's so expensive. That was kind of the main problem with, with Canada was trying to, to get around and, and cut costs. And then I think the next week was, like, Prince Edward Island, halfway across the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. everyone's kind of like, who, who made this schedule? I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the overall experience was was good though. I was I was happy to play well and at least um, kind of have it be a productive season. I mean, I was really close to, other than experience, not really getting much out of it. I mean, I finished ninth, I think, on the money list. Had I finished eleventh, yeah. I still would have had to go to second stage of Q school. So right. that was really nice to sneak in that top ten and. I mean, I made a little bit of money, which was was nice too. I mean, most guys out there obviously aren't aren't making much profits i mean just mainly because of the expenses and obviously the tour doesn't pay that well yet but um anyway it was it was a good good year and i I mean i actually really enjoyed we saw a lot of cool places i mean the travel obviously sucked but like we did get to see some pretty cool places that i never would have ever seen so um it was overall a good experience for sure what was your favorite course on the tour Oh, definitely Deer Ridge. Um, that was the last event of the year. And yeah, that place was a lot of the courses we played. Like, I think the one where we saw you guys was, um, I can't remember what it was called, but I mean, that place that was, was um, that course was so easy. I mean, I think Parker Cootie shot like 28 yeah. under, which like shouldn't even be possible. 
no. on a golf course. <laughs> but yeah. in, uh, in their de- in their defense, it's usually very windy that time of year around here. So I mean, yeah. they're, hoping, they're hoping for some the wind to pick up and there was some rain involved which really softened the course so yeah you're right it, 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 guys are just throwing darts out there for sure time. i know that's what's too bad is like the i mean that's just what's so frustrating about golf is i mean you could we go play that course and it's whatever cold and blowing 30 and all of a sudden like people are saying it's a hard golf course and then right. you go through there on a calm day and it was the same thing i think when morikawa won his open championship they played in like 75 and sunny and no wind it's like that's not the, <laughs> what no. the tournament's supposed to be like. But anyway, yeah, that it was just a lot of golf courses like that. I think in Edmonton, the course was, I mean, it was it was a solid golf course, but still, I, I think 19 under. Yeah. And like the scores were so low, so that was just a little frustrating, kind of having to to go so low just to contend. I mean, I think it's a better test, like a place like Deer Ridge, where, yeah, I mean, it's long. I think eight under won the tournament, and I think that those kinds of courses really kind of like expose you for all your faults and stuff and that one was probably my favorite but yeah how did you prepare for courses you've never seen before are you like a google earth guy where you're you're mapping the course before you see it just to check it out or or how do you prepare yeah i'm not um i know a lot of people do do that and in college our coach would always print us out like a decade um kind of course map layout stuff and give you kind of an idea of what it looks like I, I, I'm i not a huge preparation guy like that I mean I kind of like I would always just play in the Wednesday Pro-Am and just kind of get a general view of the course if there was some some sketchy shots I mean I would spend a little more time trying to figure out what, what to do there but um, yeah generally speaking I kind of like to keep, the weeks are so long that I was really trying to keep them as short as I could and just not spend so much time like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday seeing the course and then you have a four-day tournament. So like my prep was kind of just get a general idea of the course in the practice round and then just try to be fresh when the, the tournament starts. Well, whatever you're doing, it, it worked. You had 13 straight rounds in the 60s on PGA Tour Canada this summer, which was, you know, an amazing stat. Um, yeah. From what I witnessed out on the course at Southwood, Maybe you could comment on this, but it looks like your on-course demeanor is really good. I mean, the pace at which you walk from tee to fairway, fairway to green, green to tee box, never seemed to change. Is that something that you work on consciously? Um, I think to me that, I, I, I definitely when I was younger, I remember work, like having coaches and my parents would kind of say that I, especially when I would get nervous or was kind of struggling I would start to move really quickly and so like there was probably a time when I was aware of just like the importance of of just like your general pace on the golf course and trying to stay as as kind of even keel as you can but I think now it kind of comes as a result of just like being in a good state of mind I feel like when you're thinking the right way then like the way that you're moving around the course kind of just follows it's not like I'm trying to walk the same pace it's more like that kind of just happens as a result of me kind of being in a good good state of mind and um that's kind of been the biggest thing for me is just trying to get get in a good place mentally so that i can kind of bring out my best golf when it when it matters but sure and i i I also witnessed a few three woods right off the tee deck you just rolled the ball down went through your pre-shot routine you know didn't 
didn't play with the lie at all and just stepped up and striped it twice down the middle 285 or you know 290 <laughs> probably so i don't know if that's in your in your bag during most weeks or you're just like feeling good that week and and just decided to go with it yeah I, i've i've never really been a t user i mean even with three woods it's like because whenever i'm practicing i mean i never especially on like par threes i'll never i'll never use a t pretty much really? no matter what unless okay. it's like a something i really got to get in the air and land soft and spin but um i mean 99 percent of the time i i just put it on the tee box and um i don't know i've, I've kind of done that for a while i mean i always just think you bring a little bit of guess into play when you put it on a tee especially with an iron i think you could argue otherwise for a three wood but yeah. um i mean every ball i've ever hit practicing has been off grass so like now when the tournament comes to put it to me is is something that i just never really got into and corn ferry tour starts in january in the bahamas what are you doing to prepare for your eight starts yeah i'm gonna spend um most of the time kind of prepping just in the gym and trying to get um in better shape physically i i kind of have struggled with some some back pain a lot over the last few years and it's been tough because i haven't really had a huge off season to to make a bunch of progress i mean in, like we're kind of always playing yeah. and golf doesn't really have much of an off season and um college obviously you get busy and whatever and then summertime comes around and you're playing just about every week so um anyway that'll be kind of where my main work is focused and then um obviously play with good players and try to get some competitive games going to kind of keep keep me in a good place on the competition side and then um yeah once the tournament comes I mean my approach is is somewhat unique that I don't I don't really think like traditional practice and prep have much layover or payoff into like playing well in a tournament meaning like if I go out and work really, really hard on whatever, some swing change or a little chipping mechanics, and let's just say that I do make some progress physically, I just, I think it's more important to, like, when you're actually playing the tournament, hitting the shots, to just, like, see it clearly and almost just, like, let it go and not really think about it. Yeah. So, um, I don't really spend a lot of time practicing probably the way most guys do where they're whatever on the range for three hours grinding on a a swing change or whatever it is or trying to work on their putting stroke i kind of like to almost try to treat every day as like a tournament day where i'm just trying to kind of let it go and be more athletic and just kind of like see it and do it rather than um try to kind of force an more like unnatural move that maybe some coach said is is gonna help or whatever um so my prep will kind of be just like trying to stay in that place. I think it's easy to, especially at this level, it's really easy to get sucked into that kind of stuff because you have so many more people yeah. trying to help you out and tell you this stuff or whatever. So um, yeah, I'll try to kind of keep my prep pretty chill on the, on the golf side of things. So yeah, you're, like I said, off the top, your move looks really athletic. So I mean, just keep on doing what you're doing. Obviously, you've had great results up to this po- up to this point. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully it can keep working for sure. So you get eight starts guaranteed. Do they tell you like, are you in week one or how do they how do they give you the starts? 
Yeah, so it it's kind of frustrating the way that they do it because it's just like it, it's so confusing. Like, um, so I the top like whatever eleven through forty at Q school get the get guaranteed eight starts, and that just means they're without a doubt like playing in the first eight events. And it, so okay. after every four events, they do a reshuffle based on how you played. So like. If I were to go out, I'm and I, so I'm through the first two reshuffles, um, yeah. and if I go out and miss every single one of those cuts, I won't be able to play the rest of the season because, based on the reshuffle, I won't have obviously played better than anyone else. So, um, but if I were to go out and have a couple of good finishes, I think in those eight starts, then you're kind of like set for the season. So, like last year. Um, my teammate Clay Fegler, he got his guaranteed eighth for Q school and finished like tied eighth at the first event. And then all of a sudden he's playing the full season. So you only are guaranteed like those first two reshuffles and eight starts. Um, but then in those eight events, you know, if you play, if you play well, you're probably going to play the full season. So um, it's not like some people have said like, Oh, is it like, one here one there it's just like it's the it's, it's just the first eight and then i think the next category like got the first 12 and then the guy who won q school got all 26 so right um yeah it's a little it, i've always kind of like when i was playing last week i was kind of thinking there's not really much of a difference between second and 40th just because like it's right. only four more starts and yeah. i mean if you're missing eight straight cuts you're probably <laughs> you might have to uh, evaluate something i'm off anyway <laughs> yeah so um, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i think eight eight starts is a pretty good sample size and uh, yeah i know exactly part of, yeah you know last year's winner in the bahamas actually he uh he found his caddy on a on a dating app are you gonna follow that w- winning formula for the bahamas or <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's hilarious um yeah i know actually really well that that was super fun to see him get that win and yeah I don't really know his girlfriend too well, but um, yeah, that, that relationship was, was funny to see. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I kind of have a caddy that I'm definitely using as of now. Um, that'll He'll probably be there that first week. And um, awesome. it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, I, I'm excited to see the Bahamas and I've never been. And I'm sure the courses are cool. So yeah. You know, next question is more equipment related, and I think you know based on what you've said in terms of your your preparation and and just the, your natural move. I don't imagine you you switch equipment or fiddle with equipment and shafts, lies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, very often. Do you? Right, I don't. Um, I'm always like kind of the outlier there, whether it's at like fittings or people talking like shafts and right. all these terms I've never heard of and stuff, and like. <laughs> Um, I've always like pretty much, I mean, since I was pretty young, it was always like, just like, if, if you, if you just give me a somewhat decent golf club, I'm going to find out how to hit it. Well, I don't need it to be perfect. I I feel like a lot of guys are like, oh, like they hit one bad shot and they blame it on the shaft. And I'm just like, dude, believe me, it's not the shaft. Like (laughs) changing out 10 different driver shafts on the range before you play. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've always, I think Titleist has done a really good job and they have for a while with me. I mean, I probably started with them when I was 15 or 16 and I don't think I've 
I, I think I used a tailor-made driver in high school a little bit, but um, yeah. since they came out with like the TSI, I think was their first driver that, that I really liked, and I think kind of blew up on the tour as well. Um, and that club is just really good. And at that point, it was like I was titleist kind of all the way through the bag, and I always just kind of I'll go for a fitting maybe once a year and just kind of make sure everything's good and i can never tell a difference like these guys are talking about like the pro v1 versus the (laughs) x saying how it like spins more and like you it like apex is different and i'm just like dude you're not good enough to know that (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) you can try to convince yourself you are but it's a it's a golf ball like (laughs) exactly yeah um off the course what keeps you busy obviously you haven't had a lot of time to to do anything off course but what what else do you do off the course to to keep your mind away from the game for a little bit yeah um i mean it's honestly you'd be surprised at how much free time i do have as a pro golfer i mean even when we're on the road like because i kind of told you like i'm i'm not a huge practicer so maybe when other guys might be out there working what they think is working harder um like i don't like i'm not really doing that stuff so i actually have a ton of time way more than i would have expected especially on off weeks um because like i'll go play like with friends and stuff but i'm not even as like when when i do have a week off i'm like i don't really want to be out there practicing like i just got back from a whole week of tournament Joe, really appreciate your time today. You know, we wish you nothing but best of luck moving forward as you prepare for Corn Ferry Tour. Hopefully we could uh, catch up with you down the road and do this again. Yeah, definitely, Brian. Love to love to come on whenever. And yeah, thanks again for, for having me on. That was great. Okay, Joe, take care. We'll talk soon. Sweet. Thanks, Brian.